Tucked away from the city, Raccoon Creek is your go-to golf course. Their location in Littleton provides more than just a beautiful golfing experience. They have the perfect setting for year-round events with unbelievable views. Just a fun place to golf. It's a different atmosphere. It's a really nice course and it's fast greens. They have a good crew there, so it's always in good shape. They're having uh, comedy shows. They got like this really cool fire pit in the back now. It's changed a lot. There's a whole, whole new patio that has like the best views in Colorado. I think you can just see the mountains, you see the golf course. You know, kind of like Cheers. Everybody knows your name and your handicap. That was Todd. He's been golfing at Raccoon Creek for years now, and it's his favorite golf course in the area because of the environment that they've created. Raccoon Creek has embraced technology, adding golf board rentals to their course, as well as updating their golf carts to be equipped with GPS that provides score updates of sporting events and live scoring for outings and tournaments. They also have an app where you can schedule tee times, receive happy hour specials, and stay up to date on all of their upcoming events. Download their app today and receive a free bucket of balls or check them out online at raccooncreek.com. And Cole gets another good righty and another right by Cole, a left by Cole this time. Tipped in front by Mika Rentinen. He shoots and scars. Nathan McKinnon. Cole J.T. Comfer. 877 goes now. Gabriel Landeskog. Collective hugs. 29 and 92. Save me by Grubauer. Move over, Picasso. This piece of art is by McKinnon, my goodness gracious. Welcome in to the BSN Avalanche podcast presented by The Green Solution. Visit any one of their 17 Colorado locations or browse their entire inventory online at mygreensolution.com. Reserve products online and pick up at your local TGS Express checkout. You'll be in and out in minutes, and you can use code BSN20 for 20% off your entire purchase. It's the final week of the offseason. We figured it was finally time to get into some predictions. I'm Nathan Rudolph. With me is AJ Hayfley and once again, Jesse Montano. Let's just jump right into it, AJ. I know you're kind of on the prediction train here. You're going to set us up and, and we're going to make wild speculation, I suspect. Are we? I mean, I might. I guess we'll see about you two. Well, I mean, let's talk summer. Okay. All right. We can we can cover our bases first. Yeah. Let's let's get into what's what's happened before we try and predict the future. Fair. Uh, it's over, man. Like I this, know, the finally. summer is essentially over. I guess it's kind of been over for a while now, but it's actually it's still like, hot though. Like it yeah. feels like summer. Yeah. Well, you know that was the I went to Winnipeg and it was like seventy five degrees every day. Ugh. And I was like, <laughs> oh my god, this is crazy. Like this is this is so livable. And then, of course, you know, two months from now. Yeah, the winter's a little be, different. It'll be absolutely <laughs> awful Wow, this is there. so livable for six weeks. Yeah, no, <laughs> straight up, like, I for was six like. six weeks a year. I was like, I need to be like every other, like, hockey writer and have a cottage somewhere in Canada. <laughs> and it can be in Winnipeg where I go up there and spend two months of the year. And it's totally fine. And then it's like, all right, I'm out Having Margs with Bobby up there or what? Yeah, yeah he, dude, I tell you, man, it, it, I was surprised how much I liked it. It was it was an awesome it's it's really an awesome little city nice 
as he backpedals from a year ago. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, you, you didn't listen. You didn't listen to you didn't listen to the episode where I came back and I spent the first five minutes being like, "My bad." Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I trash talked to Winnipeg left and right, but you know, it's, it's an awesome little city. No, um, really, I want to get into the summer. I want to get into what they did and who they are now because I was going through everything that happened over the and they had a busy summer. You know, we did not think that there was going to be a lot of roster turnover. We expected a little bit of free agency action. But we thought it'd be like one or two guys. Well, what was funny, sorry to interrupt you. What was funny was, you know, a lot of the, you know, national outlets started doing their who won the summer, who had the best summer, you know, TSN, Sportsnet, yeah. uh, NBCSN, NHL.com. And what's what was so funny, kind of like you, AJ, they start putting out these lists and the abs were in on all those lists as like, you know, one of the like five, you know, which yeah. of these teams. And I was, I was like the abs. And then you look at it and you're like, they had a busy summer. It, right. It was such a slow burn, right? Like they right. would do one thing at a time right. and stretch it out. They'd make a trade, wait five days, make another trade, sign two dudes in free agency that yeah. you were like, okay, these are fine, but it's not a big splash. And then finally they bring it all together when they, trade for Kadri. Yeah, at the end of July 1st where you were like, okay, you were thinking this is the team, you know, with Tyson Berry, with Alex Kerfoot. You're like, where are all these guys going to fit? Exactly. And yeah. then all of a sudden it was like that tied, I think it was really the bow. Yeah, exactly. You know, it brought it all together and all of a sudden like it was like the grand plan made a lot more sense. You know, because it's it starts off with trading Carl Soderberg for a pick in Kevin Connaughton. An eighth D, basically. And you're like, well, that's kind of an odd move. Like, I'll, I'll be I'll be 100% real here. That one still doesn't make sense to me. It does It does now for me. Uh, and I it, it didn't bother me much then because I knew that that wasn't the end. Uh, and it doesn't, it really doesn't bother me See, now. See, it, it bothers me more now than it did when they made it. And, and do you care if I just jump right in? To me... And maybe you guys can give me a reason why. If you're going to go out and you're going to add Pierre Edward Belmar to be your 4C penalty kill guy for the next two years, why didn't you just keep Carl Soderberg for one? You know, the, the Belmar thing, I'll agree with you. I didn't <laughs> like it then. I don't like it now. And, and, and that was But th- getting rid of Soderberg makes sense to me because he would not have been the 4C for you. Even if he was, it's it's the or, or, one or, year left of his expiring contract at, at an upper age. Right, which to me, give me one year of Carl Soderbergh wherever you're going to, you know, three or four C mm-hmm. instead of two years of Pierre Edward Belmar. Now, if if we want to go back to expansion I and say this they, is another expansion they're not thing. They're not roles, though. That they, they're, Soderbergh would have been the three C, and he would have been... He would have taken the spot, you know. He would have pushed Jost or Kamenev so or Comfort to force So, are you saying one they of those guys would have had that job? Intentionally went out and no offense, Garrett or Belmar, you downgraded that. You downgraded Carl Soderberg intentionally to not well, block that spot. I mean, look at the Soderberg trade as instead of Soderberg for a second and Kanaten, it was Soderberg in a third for Kanaten and Burakovsky, because they f- immediately turned and flipped that second into Burakovsky. Yeah. So, but but to me, I just didn't see the issue in playing. You know, you spent the last two years playing ultra safe Carl Soderberg with Matt Nieto and Matt Calvert, anyways. They did that. 
and I didn't have a problem with it because I said, ooh, that, you know, they're, they're going to do something. And now you're going to have Pierre Edward Belmar with Matt Nieto yeah, and Matt Those are Calvary. different. I get that. Different conversations. You know, one but, of those also happened, you know, Soderbergh happened 10 days before they signed Belmar. And Belmar wasn't their first guy that they were after. They went out. They chased Brian Boyle. They chased Ryan Carpenter. Uh, and then obviously Belmar was the one that they landed. Now all of those guys are the same guy. Right, I was gonna say. So those so, are but, all but the same any... guy. But you're talking about they didn't they didn't downgrade from Soderbergh to Belmar. They upgraded from Sheldon Dries to Belmar, and they downgraded they 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 upgraded from Soderbergh to Cadre because right. those were the roles that they were playing. That's where, and I know what you're doing is you're you're taking the Kadri deal and you're just moving everybody down. Had you no, kept no, Soderberg, no, no, not necessarily. Well, had you kept Soderberg, he's no longer your de facto two C, right. which is where he was last year. He was like your kind of have to be him as right, the two right, C. Right, right, right. That that was his usage. He was the two C last year, and so you're saying, okay, well, you move him down, and then maybe if you really want to play Tyson Jost, or you really want to play JT Comfer. Then okay, now Soderberg is your four C, and it's a huge upgrade from Sheldon Drys to Carl Soderberg. Right. But you did still have, at the time, they hadn't signed Belmar. They did still have Vlad Kamenev, and they do, and JT Comfer, and Tyson Jost that you're trying to find, and Alex Kerfoot was still there that they're trying to find jobs for. Right. When they went out and they made they they swapped him out, it was like okay, you know something else is coming. Mm -hmm. That something else was Burakovsky and Kadri which is now two-thirds of your remade second line. Mm -hmm. And if that's the cost of one year of Carl Soderbergh, that's a really fine cost for and, me. And I guess, I guess, and I, I agree with that right there. And, and I guess my thing was, if, if it's just a matter of you're going to put Belmar with the two guys that Carl Soderbergh has been playing with, why strap yourself for the extra year when you could have kept Carl Soderbergh? Now, again, I agree, I agree with what you just said, you know, and, and there's a lot more that goes into play other than just... Well, well, now you have Belmar on that line instead of Soderbergh. There's, there's so much more that goes into that. But to me, that, that one, I don't have an issue with the Soderbergh trade, but I like that trade less now seeing where everything has fallen. Now that the roster is settled, for me personally, I would have rather just kept Carl Soderbergh in that bottom six for this year than go out and address it at the end of this year. Or maybe Jost and Confer have shaken out a little bit more, and those are your bottom two. I don't know. I just... What this really comes down to is I, I hate the Pierre Edward Belmar signing. Okay. What that I mean, I'm, I'm mean, with you on that. Yeah. But I don't. I I would say over the summer I don't. I, I still don't like it because I don't like the mindset behind it where you're paying for a limited player that fills a very very specific role for you, and if he goes out and he blows out his knee on day one of training camp, then you went out and you spent money on a guy that you're now having to replace, and he you don't really have a replacement for him, and but you still need to fill that role. They kind of put all their their eggs in that Belmar basket. And, like, he's just not a good enough player to justify that kind of faith. And, like, you're paying for, you're paying for such a specific role. Mm -hmm. You're yeah. paying for him killing penalties. And, like, look, like, all the analytics show he's very good at it. Right. And, hey, fine. You've upgraded as a penalty killer from... Soderberg to Belmar because Belmar is a much better penalty killer than Soderberg and he's a much better face-off guy than Soderberg fine but you're paying for very 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 limited it, things right it feels like they were trying to play money puck and they kind of forgot about the money part 
Like, well, and the fact that they went after Brian Boyle yeah. and the fact that they went after Ryan Carpenter and they were like, look, we're not going to give Ryan Carpenter three years. That's crazy pants. And it was like for Chicago yeah, to be like, yeah. we're going to we're going to commit three years to a four C is just insane yeah. when you're talking about a low impact guy. You know, when you I've talked about the Islanders a bunch this summer and how their fourth line does so much of setting the tone for that forward core and how they play a huge role in, in that team finding success. And like their fourth line is really important to that team. It's important to their identity and, and a whole bunch of different things. And they pay for that. You know, they pay Casey's Ezekiel three and a half million dollars and blah, 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 blah. But Colorado wasn't built that way. Colorado's built top down, and they did a really good job, I think, of improving the middle class of their forward core. Lines two and three are a lot better, and as a result, line four ended up with Calvert and Nieto should be one of the better fourth lines in the NHL, and with Belmar filling a very, very specific role, they chose the devil that they know over the devil that they don't in Kamenev. I think they would have loved for Kamenev to have taken that job, but after two season-ending injuries in a row, they said, "Look, we just can't rely on him. We need to we need to to safeguard against another injury. We're going to go and we're going to chase these multiple guys that can fill the same role." And I just it's just such a low impact signing. Like I think he'll be good. I think he'll be fine. For what he is. But, but to me, that fourth line is now a black hole of offense. It's not, though, because you're going from Gabe Bork to Matt Calvert. You're going from whoever was on the right okay, side okay, of that okay, to me, Matt Nieto. That, that line is now a black hole of offense. Matt Nieto's not creating anything. Matt, Matt Calvert's not creating no, both anything. Both of those guys are 20-point guys consistently in their careers, though. And you're going from... You, that's a huge difference. Twenty-point guys playing third-line minutes. That's a, that's a third-line minutes with players like with centers though. like Carl Soderberg. But that's my point. If if Matt Calvert and Matt Nieto break twenty points this year, I'll be surprised. I won't be because they're going to play the fourth line not six minutes a night like they did last year. They're going to have a real fourth line. I know, but that but, they're going to play ten to twelve minutes a night. But you're and they're going to play the third line similar amount of minutes. And so your third and fourth lines are really going to be two third lines and not two four and not a third line but, and a fourth but, line. But your your third line B is your defensive line. That's your shutdown line. Pierre Edward Belmar is not an offensive guy. No, and he's he's the weakest link in their entire forward core. So again, I don't I still don't like the signing. My my concern there is the actual goal scoring ability on the line. When Matt Calvert is your trigger man. I, I don't worry you're not about that put up because points. You're just I'm, not. When they're you, going when, to because they always have. I, and I hope they do. I hope they do. But they to always point, have man. those two guys have with 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 more offensively gifted centers than Pierre Edward Belmar. You're right. just not going to get that production when you're relying on Pierre Edward Belmar as your center, who's to to what we just said a. a penalty killing specialist let's just call it what it is yeah he's a he's a face-off and pk specialist right. like that's what you got him for you got uh, to, him to me you're you got him so between... that when you have a face-off in your own zone with 30 seconds 37 seconds left and you're up two to one or three to two it's a one goal game he's gonna go in there and he's gonna win the face-off for you 
And you didn't have that last right. year. Right. That if they're getting to twenty points, they're putting in a lot of empty net goals because exactly. the ads are already I, up. I, one. I could see Nieto doing that because you you see him all the time get caught on shifts where he's out there with skill guys. And Matt Nieto, as we talked about three years ago when they picked him up on waivers, he's got enough just skill. He's one of those guys that ugh, you feel so bad because he's this close to yeah. being a good, yeah. really good yeah. NHLer. So I could I could totally buy into that that you can get twenty plus out of Matt Nieto. But with Pierre or Belmar being the, the the center on that line, to me, man, Matt Calvert's a ten to fifteen point guy now. See, but and he, I hope he, I'm wrong. He already you are because he's already played that role in Columbus. He did that that job already for the Blue Jackets, and he put up twenty points every year. But again, he, so in he, sixty he, he, games, he did that role with the Avs last year, but with Matt Nieto and Carl that's, Soderberg. That's the difference. That's. Kind of my fear for Nieto specifically. Actually, I'm way there. more worried about Nieto too. than I am because Matt Calvert because Matt Calvert will do it. Right, he's, he's he just done goes it 110. He's, and does he's done thing. it seven years in a row or something. So it's like I'm I'm not expecting Pierre Edward Belmar to be the reason but Matt Calvert stops being Matt Calvert. This has already played out with Matt Nieto. He already got pushed off of the Sharks roster when they were pushing for their cup run by by Ryan Carpenter. Right. So <laughs> oddly enough, so he's someone that in the past it's proved that when he gets his minutes reduced, when he's playing with less quality of teammates, boy. But that's when that's when hey, if there's if there's a level of ineffectiveness there, that's why you still have Vladislav Kamenev. No, I agree with that's that. That's why sure. you have Valerie Nichushkin is because you want to be able to bring those guys in and say, okay, here are guys with more offensive upside and that, that you're believing in, and you're saying, here's AJ Greer, here's Martin Kaut. You've still got so many other options that you can believe in that can fill that role, that have higher offensive ceiling than a Matt Nieto. You're not married to him. Matt Nieto's got one year left on his deal. You don't have to do that to yourself. You can do other things. I mean, I'm not married to him, but I don't I think, wonder. Okay, okay, I don't so think Jared, so, so, Jared so, Benner isn't either. But, but, but okay. the problem there isn't Matt Nieto. That's, that's my issue with it. I don't disagree and, with that. And, and yeah. that was why... I was willing to argue with people over the whole Val Nichushkin thing. It's like you're out of your mind if you think this is the first guy that's pushed someone off the roster. You know, I, I, Evan, uh, I never, I've never once known how to pronounce Evan. We Lyon. just had this conversation yeah. with Raul. Raul? Raul? Yeah, I don't know. We really just need it's to ask him. Really smart dude. I, I love Evan. Yeah. But he and I had the conversation because he was like, oh, well, you know, you push guys off the roster. I said, who did Val Nichushkin push off the roster that Pierre or Edward Belmar didn't on July 1st? That that's Matt the, Calvert's third year didn't. That's the that, that's well, that was the problem with Nichushkin is that they'd already done that to themselves. And then they just made it worse with Nichushkin. And, and I, I don't necessarily disagree with you, but where I was going with this was Matt Nieto is not your problem on that line. If Matt Nieto's not creating offense because he needs to be with more offensively creative guys, as his career is proven. So now you're gonna be cycling through wingers trying to figure out. Huh? Why is Pierre Belmar and Matt Calvert not getting Val Nichushkin or uh, Matt Nieto even or Vladislav Kamenev to score goals? Even if hmm, let's try to figure this out for two years and and piss away this fourth line yeah, for two seasons. Even even if like the the amount of upgrade from Gabe Bork and Sheldon Dries to these guys, even if they're all fifteen point players, is an astronomical leap over what they had last year. And, and so I guess I guess. The argument you're their, making their is, biggest is, downside is still better than what they put out last season. It's still better than what they've put out in five years, maybe ten. I don't even know the last time that the Abs had a fourth line that was effective, that played their roles well, 
and chipped in enough scoring that you were just fine with it. And your last checkbox there is where I think you'll actually see Even less. if you get just 15 points out of those guys, out of each of those guys, it's an upgrade over last year. It's still a better they, fourth line, but they, Bork right, had right, eight right. points. And, and I guess I guess Sheldon Dries had we're six points. Different things here because you're comparing the fourth line, the fourth line that was last year's fourth line. I'm more of thinking of that that line, right? Regardless you, of where they're playing the lineup, that line is worse. If you're expecting to get what you got out of those players last year, that's probably too high of an expectation. And, and I, I guess that's I so don't. I, guess, I, guess I don't think arguing, Matt. I don't know arguing. that Matt Calvert gets 26 points, but I don't think it's unreasonable for him to get 20. I mean, I hope you're right. <laughs> I mean, you're talking, it's not like those guys had huge minutes last year. And again, the fourth line is going to play more minutes than it did last season. You're going to get a 10 that's, we've somehow spent the entire first segment yeah. <laughs> in which we were supposed to be talking about things that happened well, over no, the but, summer. But, but, but talking me, about Pierre Edward Belmar, which like, of all the changes that they made, <laughs> like, this, this is like I, the I, fifth most important thing that they did all summer. Like all those the, moves matter. The most though, right? divisive, though. They maybe. all matter, but like Nazem Kadri is in a massive upgrade over Carl yeah, Soderberg. And, and, and we agree and, on that. And, and, and Burakovsky we'll... could be. Jonas Donskoy is a big upgrade. Yes. And Colin Wilson is a perfectly acceptable stopgap on a one year deal that Dude, I, I like. Colin Wilson. I only just sort of. I'm, I'm fine with. The, the, the sort I, of hate? <laughs> I don't hate it. I just. I love Colin Wilson, the guy. Bleh. It's just such a <laughs> I, yeah. I was I was so happy to see him get another deal just because I I like Colin Wilson. Well, he was as a, as a person after so that much. playoff run. He was getting a deal somewhere. Well, right, man. and 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 to me that playoff run showed that he still has a certain level of effectiveness. I mean, it showed to me he knows how to keep his stick on the ice, and he let his which, really good teammates take care of everything else. Which, which, but. which I, I want to make a really quick point about that. That says something because you tried Tyson Jost, JT Comfort. You tried all kinds of guys in that position, and Colin Wilson kept his stick down and just said, <laughs> I'm not going to get fancy. I'm putting this right here, and you guys are all good enough to bounce well, stuff was, off of it. That was your second line at the end. Yeah. It I was mean, Colin Wilson, Tyson Jost, and JT Copper. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. You, you tried these and like, now super it's, high And now your second line is Tyson Jost, Nazem Kadri, and Andre Burakovsky. And it's like. So hmm. we can all agree. Let's We can all agree they shouldn't have signed Pierre or Belmar. Can we say yeah, that? Yeah, no. I mean, we all. Uh, Yes. All summer yes. have felt that way. Cool. All right, so I hated the signing. I came out immediately and said that's stupid business because you're paying for a nothing player. You're paying for like as limited a player as you can possibly get in the NHL that still has some level of effectiveness. He's, he's Cody McLeod without the fighting. Well, he's well, he's way better than Cody McLeod. Like, but but he's but it's it's all the same talk tracks. Fan favorite. No, I don't care. I don't. Guy, I don't care about that. Like works the leader, hard kills penalties. Like yeah, leaders, yeah, yeah. Leadership yeah, yeah. is one thing. But Where have I heard all this before? <laughs> Any guy that's gonna win. Analytically, okay. Well, the guy's been on a bunch of winning teams in his career, but okay. It, you're looking right, at AD. you're looking at analytically. You're looking at him, and he's been one of the better PKers. Which in the great. NHL. And he's a much, much better face-off guy than you had. So it's not like there isn't logic to it. You can disagree with it. I disagree with it. But there's logic there. There's reasoning there that it's like, okay, I see what you're doing. You are you can disagree with it, but it's the, not like... He checks oh, two boxes out of 50. The logic makes perfect sense at a million for one year. Yeah, well, and if you're going to complain about $800,000 and... 
and and, and yes, an extra it, year. Like the extra year is how you get them to sign. I'm sorry, but that's just it, how it, it is. You're not wrong, and the dollar amount really does not matter to the Avs right now. It's not a big deal, but that extra year still stings. And well, it does. Like. Yeah, I don't. It just I don't. Does. Because again, I don't take, like it, man. Taking it I, back to, and I, I don't. Why are we all arguing? We all agree. <laughs> well, it's just we're all viewing it in a different and, lens. And, and, and again, and that was going back to the Wait. Val Nichushin thing. Because I told you guys I was going to defend my stance from Twitter on this podcast. That was my other thing. It's like it's one year. Who cares? I don't need to, don't need it, to get into this. Again. The, but, yeah. but but We've but spent and, multiple but and and, and, and it w- I would be saying the same thing had they given Pierre or Belmar one year. It's one year. Who cares? That one year would have made a lot more sense to me mm-hmm. than yep. what Nachushkin and, and did. That, and that was why it's I don't doing, care about Val Nachushkin well, because it's, it's, it's one doing year. All of them, you do all of them, and it's like okay, Martin. Now, now where do you play Martin Kaut? You know, now you need four injuries to get right. to that, and it's like it's this the was some total. This was a first round pick for you. You've got to have a plan here. And not just have him be like, oh, well, if he can't beat out Val Natushkin in training camp, then he doesn't deserve the job. Be honest with yourself, though, and everyone listening. Were you expecting Martin Kaut to make the team? During the season, yes. Yeah, exactly. Not out of camp. but not out, yes. of, not out of camp, but by January, absolutely. Because that's how you do it. That's how good teams regularly get their guys into the NHL, into limited roles, and let them kind of learn on the fly. And Martin Kaut is the perfect kind of guy to do it because he's not a top six or bust kind of talent. He's a perfect system guy that you could have dropped anywhere into into your NHL lineup, and he would have been effective. And now you more or less have removed that option. But you removed that option on July first. But you didn't because you only were one injury away. You had thirteen forwards. Now you have fourteen NHL forwards, and then you have to get into sorting out the Greer and the Couts and the so that's that's what I'm Martin Kaut fizzled out the end of the last year. He needs a second. North well, American 70-plus game season. I mean, you're talking about... You're going to throw a guy This is a kid that, whose that, conditioning ran out at the end of the season because he couldn't right, work so out. so you're saying I'm going to throw him he, into the end of an NHL season the very next year? Yeah, yes, because he got absolutely. conditioning all summer this year. It's a different world for him. He didn't... He let didn't, him prove it. He, let him prove it in the back half let him of prove an NHL what? season. What did A.J. Greer prove? What does A.J. Greer have left to prove in the NHL? What does A.J. Greer have... How no, many that, cha- how what was the answer? What was the answer you just gave? Nothing, but he also has obviously proved that he's got nothing. He, he's how many last chances? What did, are you give what did he prove? What did what? Six minutes in the NHL last year. Why? And you're talking. Come on. You're six. Come on, dude. And you're talking about Valnachushkin at 13 minutes a, a night, and scored but, zero but how, goals in 57 now, this games. This is now the third preseason where we say this is AJ Greer's last chance to prove it, and he hasn't made the team. It's it's we're now getting into Duncan Siemens territory where it's like. At a certain point, yeah, you can't a, blame the organization. There's a way different level between what Siemens did in the AHL and what Greer did right. in the AHL. And I AJ, don't AJ Greer was with that. 44 points in 55 AHL games last year. For a 21 year old, that's high level production. I don't. There's nothing left for him to prove. That. And so now all that he has to do is prove that he can be in the NHL. What is there left for Vladislav Kamenev to prove? Why did they go out and sign Pierre Belmar? Why didn't they stay just healthy? His job? Yeah. Staying healthy is an ability. You've got to be able to do that, and he hasn't done it two years in a row. Call it bad luck. Call it whatever you want. But he's had two season-ending but injuries. Why, but why didn't you get? Why didn't you go backfill then? Why didn't you go sign a thirteenth forward? Because you, you then you end up playing bums like Sheldon Dries. They'd play who? Sheldon um, Dries. But but it's it's 
for me, it's the same thing, man. You you can only give AJ Greer so many chances to make the roster. But you can he make just the argument hasn't done it. But okay, but but you're fine with Val Nachushkin, who played 57 games at 13 minutes a night. I'm, and had 10 points. I'm fine with the guy because it doesn't matter. If he comes into camp and lights it up, great. If he doesn't, you send him to the NHL and he says, oh, I'm not but doing you're that. Writing off, goes to Europe. You're writing off. You're writing off A.J. Greer when he's had maybe a fifth of the opportunity that a guy like Nachushkin has he's who had you're the same fine with. To, so A.J. Greer couldn't make the roster in the 48-point season. He couldn't make the roster the next year when it was all about the kids. Okay, couldn't it, make the roster. What was best for him back then? He wasn't the same player. He still had to prove it at the AHL. He's now done that. You're looking at me like I'm dominating this. No, it's uh, this is great. We never have these arguments. So yeah. it's <laughs> you're you're AJ Greer has not had even 20% of the opportunity that Val Nachushkin has had. And that's my frustration is that now he won't get it. Now you've guaranteed right. that he won't no, get it. No, and and, and that's you assuming that they are going to give Val Nachushkin the benefit of the doubt. And here's the other part. Because they have. Every year they give that guy the benefit of the doubt. Joe Sackett came out and said, this is a guy that adds competition to camp. And people were like, oh, my God. They're putting Val Nachushkin on the first line. It was, an identical, said, it was an identical quote to what he said about Neil Yakupov. Okay, and I thought Neil Yakupov was fine. He chipped in here and there. He played 40 games. Who Why gives a can't shit? A.J. Greer do that? Because that's not best for his development, and he needs no, to be in right the now. Because when right they, now, when that's they put, because when right they now, do that's that, exactly what you want him to do. When they do that, people lose their mind. Why are you calling him up and sitting him in the press box? Why shouldn't he be playing? It's a lose lose. AJ Greer was your 14th guy before they signed Val Nachushkin, and now he's your 15th guy. Great! It doesn't make a difference. <laughs> it doesn't make a difference. And who's to say that AJ Greer doesn't come into camp? Play spectacular. He finally had his breakout year, and it's clicked for him. And again, they say Val Nachushkin is just, okay, you, you're going to go to the Eagles. I don't want to go to the Eagles. I'm going to leave for Europe. Cool. And that's the assumption we everybody don't makes. Care. Yeah. That's the assumption everybody makes is that he won't report to the Eagles. Why do you assume and, that? And that? I just said, if he says, I want to go to Europe, you say, okay, cool. Why do you just assume that, though? Assume what? That he wants to go to Europe and that he won't just report to the Eagles and make his $850,000 that he won't make in Europe. My point is it's moot. It doesn't matter. He goes to the Eagles. He goes to Europe. He's he goes, to the, he goes to the Eagles and now Martin Kaut's not getting that ice time. Great. Martin Kaut's a 20-year-old kid. What does another year in the AHL hurt? It's not. A, we've, we've, we've spent so, so much now, time so, talking about rushing prospects. And so, now now, so now Martin Kaut isn't even getting top, top six time in the Eagles because you have Val Nachushkin and Jason Megna down there. And Eric Condra, all guys that you have already signed. It's 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 about if if Martin Cout earns that with the Eagles. What which, is which? Again, which my point is, AJ Greer earned it with the Eagles, and you haven't given him the look. You okay? This, we're talking about Duncan got, Siemens again. He got 15 <laughs> games at six minutes a night. You can't tell me that's opportunity. Okay, so so you're saying we'll just do with him what you do with Neil Yakupov. You just described Neil Yakupov. He got he got a hand. You know, got. 20, 30 to 40 games at six minutes a night. Do you want to do that to A.J. Greer again? He did yes. not. He got. You want to do that to A.J. Yeah, no. Greer? Give, yes. give A.J. Greer 40 games at eight, eight to 10 minutes a night. Give him, put him on your fourth line regularly and see what you have. If it doesn't matter that Nachushkin is there, then anyone can do that job. Then Why it, go then, out and buy Nachushkin then, to do then it? Then it doesn't matter that A.J. Greer does that job. 
So why no, that's, go out? And that's, and that's the point I'm making. The spot that we're arguing about is irrelevant. We're talking about eight minutes a night. So if, who, this, who if the it? spot is irrelevant, why go get Nachushkin and have the ripple effect of moving everyone in the organization down the roster and knocking people down? Because it's for one year. You see if you can catch lightning in a bottle for one year. Well, and it was one year with Yakupov, and then it's, oh, we'll do one well, more year was, of Gabe Bork. And, it, and, was, and it, was one, it was one year of Yakupov. It was one year of Brandon Gormley. Right. It's one year of Val Nachushkin. It's one year of one of these guys every single it was it wasn't even one year of Marco Dano it was just 10 games because they picked him up on waivers another guy they put in front of AJ Greer and that Marco Dano thing actually the Marco Dano thing is the exact same thing as the Val Nachushkin thing I know except they've committed to him already for me the Marco Dano thing is why you should feel slightly better about this than what they've done in the past they did it with Marco Dano they're like yeah this guy Blows and they cut him immediately. For me, it's the same thing with Val Nutrition. That's why I don't care. If he gets into camp and you're like, yeah, holy smokes, I can see why this kid didn't score any goals last year. You, you either send him to the AHL and he shows up and it's great, or he heads back to Europe and it doesn't matter anymore. So for me, th- we're talking about eight minutes a night on your fourth line of, of a guy who needs skill to play with, who we spent the first 15 minutes of this segment saying there's no skill down there, anyways. To me, People whoa, freaked whoa, whoa. out over an irrelevant <sighs> position. When when you're looking at those uh. top three lines, what does it matter who's getting those last eight minutes? If it's Val Nachushkin, if it's AJ Greer, if you're not going to give them any meaningful minutes anyways? That's the difference in the fourth line this year is they're giving them those minutes. As much as I love this, I did promise the listeners that we would get into some predictions eventually. So... We have a whole other episode. Yeah, well, we've got a whole other episode to well, do. Well, we need to move on to segment two at least. How about that? Are we still on one? Yes. I don't even oh, know. Oh, my God. Yeah, let's get out of this. But uh, that argument was brought to you by Breckenridge Brewery, the official beer of BSN Denver, which me and Jesse are, are both drinking right now. Breckenridge is the original Colorado beer established in 1990 in Breckenridge, Colorado. Today's beer on tap for me is the Colorado Core, which is their crisp, semi-sweet apple blonde ale with a dry finish. It's fantastic. To be honest, there's not a single beer they make that I don't like. I will just drink all of them at all times. But they have also just released Strawberry Sky, the one that we've been talking about the most and many of you already love. For you beer enthusiasts out there, they're calling this a lighthearted Kolsch ale, but for those of you who don't know what that means, Strawberry Sky is that light, delicious summer beer that you've been looking for. So keep an eye out. Get on it before summer is officially over. You can look look for it at any liquor store near you, and keep an eye out for Breckenridge event calendar on BSN Denver, which we just launched not too long ago. We have all of our events planned there. We'll be drinking Breck beers at all of them. So RSVP and come out and have a good time with us. We'll be back in segment two. Might be a little shorter than this one. Welcome into the... No, we're not welcoming in. Welcome into the second segment of the BSN Avalanche yeah, podcast. Last segment was there we go. Podcast. Yeah, I know. that. Just book that one as its own thing. Uh, we're really talking did take like 40 minutes. Yeah, it was it's going to be a long episode. Uh, we're talking about what the Avs did over the summer, kind of recapping things before we jump into some predictions about the year. For the Avs, as Jesse mentioned during the first part of the episode, they're really been ranked as one of the best off seasons of any team in the league and while I love arguing about Belmar and Nichushkin, let's get into some of the good things let they me, did. Let me you, that is one funny thing about the thirty last 35 minutes. We did all that arguing 
and over the guys that over whether it's whether it's Kamenev, Belmar, I already forgot his name, Nachushkin, Greer. These are all guys that are getting 12 minutes or less, and they signed a bunch of guys that are going to be major impact players for yeah. them. Like the guys that we should be arguing about are the guys we haven't talked about at all. Right, like, right. Like Andre Burakovsky, I've said this to Rudo, I think is the ultimate X factor between the Avs winning the division or like competing for another wild card spot. And let's, we haven't talked about him at all. Let's talk all about him. What's what's his ceiling for you? For me, I mean, if he lives up to all of that all of his all-around potential, he is probably a 25 goal guy that gives you right around 50 points. Yeah. And is really effective defensively because he's a big dude. And why hasn't he done that yet? Like what like and and that's a 100% serious question. What what is cuz I agree with For everything one thing, you just said. Washington <laughs> right, right, like a really deep forward core, and that's that's the that combination and the broken hands. Yeah, he's had he's he's had broken hands multiple times in his young career, which makes you nervous because we saw that happen with Bobby Ryan. Breaks his hand every other game. Well, and <laughs> and it like never that. it never got he never yeah. he never came back from right. it. Bobby Ryan used to be so all I know, right? <laughs> and that's the thing, man, is that you look at him now, and after all the hands injuries, he's not. He just doesn't have the same. Remember when that contract wasn't horrible? Uh, yeah, <laughs> I was gonna say that's it's that's one player who's like it's so funny to see the progression of his career because everyone's like, oh, young kid, he's sick, and then suddenly it's like, yeah, can you believe that they? They have to have Bobby Ryan. It's like, yeah, well, and remember, that's happened? the guy that was drafted after Sidney Crosby. Yep. Like, For a while, justifiably so. For a while. <laughs> Absolutely. Like, <laughs> Not anymore. During his prime, <laughs> like a, a set-and-forget 30-goal yeah. guy that was Easy just money. electric, man. And that's, I mean, you're not going to get Bobby Ryan out of Andre Burakovsky, but you're hoping realistically that, and I've, I've said this, you know, his shooting percentages have have been very very high in his career in and stable. Yeah. Not a lot of variance. There hasn't been any like crazy luck where the big thing is is increase the shot generation. Exactly. Give him more minutes, he shoots more, he scores more, he produces more, and you're not looking at a guy that's putting up 25 points in back-to-back seasons. You're looking at a guy that's putting up 25 goals. He's a great guy for the Avs because they can give him the opportunity on the wing. They can roll out the red carpet and say, here's your second line minutes. Yeah. Here we can completely design the second power play around you to shoot the puck. Well, and they can do it at even strength. They can do whatever they want with him mm-hmm. in the top six. You can move Miko Rantanen down and put him with Nazem Kadri and have a super intriguing start to a second line and just put Burakovsky on the right side next to Landis and McKinnon. Yep. And all of a sudden, you're you're talking. Okay, well, if you can't get a fifty point guy out of Burakovsky in that situation, right. then you know you know that that's not a top six guy for you. Like you know, it's not okay. This is not meant Does to be. Does he only play on the right? He uh, technically with he a shooter also, like that, you want him on the side. He also plays on the left, but from everybody that I've talked to in Washington and from the couple of games I've watched, he's always on the right. And and when he was <laughs> on the left, it was not good. Because because he was on the left side of Backstrom and Oshi, and he was awful. I was going to say, because you, for me, 
ideally put Landeskog with Kadri if you're going to be doing any kind of shuffling like that. And Burakovsky yeah. plays yeah. with Miko and and Nate. But that's where I would I would put I would have Landry Kadri and Burakovsky, and I would put Jost up there at the top. Yeah, yeah I can see that. It could, and that's the thing with yeah. their with the with the addition of Kadri, just with Kadri, very fluid. It allows sudden, you that yeah. that opportunity to to go duos down your lineup, mm-hmm. and that's that changes. Which, and, which that's what they did. That's how they got out of that rut last year. Yeah, I remember you and I talking about that specifically. You said you look down all four lines and it's pairs, and you can shuffle that third guy mm-hmm. whatever you want, but it's pairs, and and that. Yeah, they. They even had Landy down on the the third line. He would take shifts in the top right. two as well, but they would move him around and try and pair him to get the depth going as well. Well, and and that's where this year the addition of Donskoy, yeah, mm-hmm. is so big because he's a stable guy. You can put him wherever you need. He's either he can be a low end second line guy for you or a high end third line guy for you, and he can be one of those duos that you build around. He can do yeah. whatever you want. Just just put him on the right side. And put him wherever Rantanen isn't. If Burakovsky is not going to work out, you can move him up and drop Burakovsky. And you know that, hey, it's not what you wanted out of Burakovsky, but he can be a 25-point guy for you on the third line. He's done it two years in a row. You know, that's kind of his floor. I mean, I, I don't hate the idea of, of putting Donskoy and Burakovsky on the same line. I, I think Donskoy can be a, a type of play driver. I think you gotta have a pretty high end center if you're gonna do that. That would have to be like Kadri, mm-hmm. and that's where I'm. Uh, yeah. Then, I, then you're playing Donskoy on the left side, right. and you know. Yeah. It, Which I don't hate, by the way. That's I, that's not the worst thing. Yeah, if you if you run your your top the line the way it, it it is. Yeah. Then you run that as your second line. Then you do Jost, Comfer, and Wilson on your third. That's not the worst. Thing I mean, in the your world? playoff second line is now your third line right. on opening night. Right. Like you're, and that was a line that when they put them together, scored three games in a row. Right, they were effective. So, yeah, like they they won you game six, and Jost scored in game seven. Wilson scored in game seven. It just didn't count. And like you're talking, you're talking about like what was your end of season second line is now your opening night third line because you went out and you replaced all those guys mm-hmm. and you just moved that peg down. And that's, again, this is the, going back to why I'm fine with Soderbergh getting moved out mm-hmm. is because you replace that. Right. Like you've got, you know, now you're looking at you Tyson Jost as your 3C. Jost or Comfort. Well, and, and like you upgraded here. with Kadri. Right. And with Kadri, I think we've all just sort of taken him for granted already. Yeah. Because we're just like, well, he's going to give you 50 points. and <laughs> See, to me, that's a guy that I have question marks on. He wasn't good last year. What do you mean? I don't have any question. I don't either. I'll save it for the prediction his, segment, but his, it's going to be hot. For me, and, and I mean, I've talked to people that watched a lot of those games, and they've all said he was given a more limited role than he's ever had, and well, that's yeah. why he struggled so much. He's going to bounce back. I just want to make sure that we aren't like, yeah, pencil it in for 60 points because he did struggle um, last year. I'm not, I'm not penciling him in for 60, but I'm penciling him in for 50 because if he's going to play 18 minutes a night as your 2C, he needs to be a 50-point player. And he yeah. before before he, John Tavares showed up, that traitorous swine, he was a 50-point guy easily. He had, he had multiple 30-goal seasons, and he was 50, 60 points. Like 50 points was like a low mark for him. Yep. And so he's he's proven in that role, in that exact role, he's proven that he can do that. 
The big question that I have is, can he do it with Burakovsky? And with that Jost, is the question. Correct. With Donskoy. Can he and, do it with guys who need to I'm take saying, the I've, step up? Or is he going to be a 45-point guy? Because if you traded for Nazem Kadri and he turns into Carl Soderberg on you, you failed that, that deal. That feels bad, yeah. For the record, he's only hit 50 points three times. Oh, only. And one of those times he had 60. Mm-hmm. But I'm just saying. And, and, that's, and that's most of his time as a 2C. Like when he was a 1C, they weren't any good. <laughs> and he's proven he's not a 1C. And again. I really like that they brought in Nazem Kadri. He's, he's, he's perfect for them. I hate Nazem Kadri. I've always hated Nazem Kadri. I don't anymore. But um, I like him. I just, I'm worried. One, he didn't seem like he wanted to leave Toronto. He definitely didn't, but this is a businessman. And no, I know. I get that, but. I think people he's gonna. People. I think he's have emotions. He's gonna get to Colorado and they're gonna start playing and he's gonna be like, oh. What for me? I want to see the. He didn't want to leave. He wanted to stay in Toronto. You got kicked out. You hope that lights a fire under him. For me, sixteen goals isn't good enough. He's got to be better than that. He's got to yeah, be near absolutely. thirty. Yeah. And 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 that's he's why gotta I say I've got to be a twenty-five question. goal guy. That's why I say I've got I've got question marks on him is just because he's coming off. A 16-goal season. As a third-line center. Right. You can't have that. You you have to have the bounce back year out of him. Well, that's what I'm saying. If he turns into Carl Soderberg, he failed the trade. Right. And if right. he has a 16-goal season, he's Carl Soderberg. Mm-hmm. And, and, he's and, and he's that's, 16 and 45 again. And he that's failed. Why, you that's need, why I've got a question mark He needs to be an appreciable that's the season he upgrade. just came off of. And, and but as a third-line center. Yes, but but again, if 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 and when he's been a top two C, he's been better than that. Though it all depends on who he's playing with. Like you just said, I don't know if he can do that with Burakovsky and with Jost. Does he need Gabe Landeskog to be on that line? Well, that's that's where they have the freedom to make that choice. That's what they need. You don't. If that's what they need, they can do it, and it's fine. You don't. You don't have to be obsessed with like this idea that Landeskog has to be tied with McKinnon because defensively they're better. I went and I looked. Yeah. I don't remember the exact numbers, but I went and I looked, and McKinnon with Ranton and McKinnon with Landeskog, like, were were there more goals against with Ranton than Landeskog? Yes, but they were still in the positives, and it wasn't close. Yeah, see, that... that it, wasn't, it wasn't close. It was way positive. Yeah, I, I mean, I think it will be very easy for the Avs to make it work in their top six. Yeah. As long as... Every shot they're taking doesn't fail. If if Burakovsky doesn't work and Jost doesn't work and Donskoy can't fill in, then there's a problem. Right. But if if every well, well not, at that point you have a whole mess. Around. Right. Well, right. if if every leap of faith that you've taken ends with you falling flat on your face, then obviously, then every team in the NHL will have problems. Right. Exactly. <laughs> like like you have to you every team somewhere in the NHL is taking chances on something. Even Tampa Bay. Is taking chances on a remade defense. On Jesse Poirier. So, well, <laughs> when only if they give up Sergachev. <laughs> no, and, and 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 for me, I I like what Kadri brings. He's exactly what they needed. It's a but, perfect but, fit. But for me, you can't have like a yeah. That was a better year than last year. It's like no, no, no. Nazem Kadri has to come to Denver and have a legitimate bounce back, twenty eight to thirty two goal season. I mean, if he scores twenty five and fifty five, he's. He's I'm good with that. Yeah. That's exactly what you want out of your 2C. Right. If he gives you more than that, if he goes like 30 and 65, 
you're probably then winning you're, the central, you're dude. Like you're shape. probably winning the central it's, if it works out that well for you. My I, whole my whole point with this is you've got to get old school Nazem Kadri, not last year Nazem Kadri. Which is and, I'm not worried about. It's not like he's it's not like he's 34. You know, it's not like he's at an age where you're like, oh, decline should set in. It's not. It's it, it's very easy to look and say what happened last year. Oh well, John Tavares showed up mm-hmm. and took his job. And when you go from when you go from playing in that top six to playing on that third line, and you're playing next to you know whoever he played next to, I honestly don't know. Yeah, I'll say that's one. But thing like like the up. Zach Hyman's and Connor Browns and you know like like solid NHL players, but their well, their their equivalents are you know like you're talking like a Colin Wilson I, and all that. Like, I, even regardless of the people he was playing with, I think the big difference is he got knocked down in power play minutes. Round six, yeah. he went to their PP two, right? Didn't like he? which he's going to be in. I think he gets PP one time. Here. I do too, and I think because I think I think he just takes Colin Wilson's job straight on PP1. up. Yeah, I think I think that's a, that's an easy like you've got the big three. You throw Kadri, you put Makar, and you're done. Yep, like that's the easiest thing that they do all year. And if it and, and hey, my my only concern there is that he ends up wasted because puck touches won't be there. Right, but if they're scoring. I don't really that, that, care that, if he ends that, up wasted. That high guy in the slot. Well, see, for me, if you can, if you can put him on P P P two, Jost, Comfer, Gerard, Burakovsky. Right. Let I don't know. Maybe is that a better situation for him? Because because of what you just said, your touches are so limited. <sighs> Colin Wilson touched the puck a grand total of like point eight five seconds on those goals that he scored in the playoffs. Is it better to it's, just have that? that but that's that, all they. That's all you need. Right. From that's, them. So that's what I'm saying. But with is Kadri, it better to have that high that that guy in the middle there, just a mid guy, if you can put Nazem Kadri in a position where it's like, yeah, you're the guy on PP two. You and Burakovsky are the guy. You have to commit to PP two. Then you right. can't play which, him for right. twenty which, seconds. Which, 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 which is what I'm saying. Which is what I'm saying. Right. If, if, if this is for that me, is that better? Is, is it better when you take Nathan McKinnon and Gabe Landeskog off the ice? Is it is are you better? There's, there's splitting there's, it one minute and one minute versus minute and a half it's versus a hard thirty. Sell, there's different sure, answers yeah. to that depending on different points of the year. Because at certain stretches last year, PP two was outperforming PP one. Right, with but they're foot, but they're short stretches and they didn't last very long. And I mean, they're the talent disparity between the two. Which one are you going to roll the dice with more often? And that's why we saw PP one look the way that it did in terms of minutes. With Kadri, it it presents an interesting question. Are you better off going one minute with each of them with a second unit that has Kadri, Jost, Burakovsky, Comfer, and Gerard? That's your second unit. Are you better off? And then Colin Wilson is your guy that takes Kadri's spot on PP1. As long as Colin Wilson stays effective in the limited touches that that guy is going to get regardless, my answer would be yes. Because if you can roll that PP2 you just named, just listed off, that's a hell of a second power play unit. Sure, so but imagine with you're an opposing <laughs> team. Okay, oh thank God we got Nathan McKinnon off the ice. Is that Nazem Kadri, Andre Burakovsky, and Sam Gerrard? Are that's you the, kidding me? That's the thing. You with Gerrard there, he has to be a distributor. Yeah, he can't be a shooter. I mean, because that needs to it needs to run all through Kadri and Burakovsky. Those are good. The they need to run the same setup as PP one. Where McKinnon and Ranton are your main triggermen, and then it needs to be Kadri and it needs to be Burkowski. What a fun I'm, conversation this right, is. Like, right. Like, <laughs> this is what they did this summer. Mm-hmm. Is they turned it from okay, well, last year it was JT Comfer firing 
weak slap shot one-timers right into the guy's pads. And Alex Kerfoot on the other side afraid to shoot the puck. And Sam Gerrard unable at the, uh, up top unable to get pucks through traffic. You know, now you have Burakovsky, who's a great shooter, who's a proven great shooter. And then Kadri, who's a guy who scored a bunch of goals in his career and has been an elite power play producer Kadri in his play career. on the wing or in front on the power play? Is he is he the Landy of the power play for was he for Toronto? Does anybody know? I, I don't know on the power play. I can say stylistically at five on five, he plays much the same way as McKinnon, creating for himself a lot of the time. So so for me, just just with this conversation we've had, if I'm Jared Bednar, I'm going into at the very least camp, saying, All right, I'm just going to take that power play unit that found success in the playoffs. That's my PP one going into camp. That can change. I would be structuring my PP2 as how strong of a second power play unit can we roll out there so that when Nathan McKinnon and 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 company have to, or, or maybe they're the one that drew the penalty because that's something else that happens a lot. Nathan McKinnon draws a lot of penalties after long shifts. Can you start with that PP2 that's not just as strong, but... A really strong power play unit that on a lot they, of other teams in the league may be PP1. They draw a lot of penalties, but penalties also mean commercial breaks. And so they're able to leave PP1 out there a lot of those times. I mean, you know who draws a lot of penalties? Nazem Kadri. Bob Ross. Like, yeah. Kadri. Kadri. Right. He's, he's one of the best in the league. Right. He draws a ton of them, man. Didn't, wasn't he like a, like, like. At the top of the yeah. league last year, yeah. Steve Dangle had a whole segment that he did in like every single episode of of Nazem Kadri drawing penalties. It's great. <laughs> so even better, even better. That's another reason to leave him off PP one for me. He's going to be out there with his second unit. Would you let me? Would you rather Wilson or Donskoy on the first unit? Because they Wilson. they they really liked the right handed guy. That's why they kept putting Comper there. Was they really like the right-handed guy? And and see, for me, the answer to that is, again, you at least you start with what you know. The start of the season, I'm going to answer that Colin Wilson. I also will admittedly, I haven't seen Jonas Donskoy up close enough to know if I'd prefer him in that spot or not. He's not the finisher type that Wilson is, I don't think. He, he definitely prefers I think I think what makes Wilson effective there is that he digs pucks. That's fair, he, too. He fights really well for pucks in traffic. I don't know where Donskoy fits into that right. particular, that like very specific thing. And so that would be my question. But the the reason that you would have Kadri there is because it's a much higher skill yeah. version of Colin Wilson there where you're like, okay, this is a 15-goal guy. This has been a multiple 30-goal guy, you know, where you're like, okay, we have a much higher level finisher standing – two feet from the goaltender just trying to chip pucks into open spaces here. <laughs> See, like and, and that's that's the selling point on Kadri. For, for me, though, but ideally, you don't want that first power play unit running through whoever that guy is. You want Nathan <laughs> McKinnon and Miko Rantanen. I, I, well, and that's – they and, would not run through him. He would know, just be the guy that stands in so, front. So, so, so that's why I'm saying <clears> – <throat> Why put a guy like Nazem Kadri and keep that skill off the second power play unit when well, it because can be... ideally your second unit doesn't touch the ice. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but because ideally you go two for three on the power play every night I in mean... the first fifteen seconds. <laughs> yeah, with, exactly. With McCarr like... and McKinnon out there, it's not. 
the, it's not that funny. The like, long, it's not that big. It's not that far fetched, dude. That shift they had, I think it was against the Sharks. They didn't score on it. They had a couple of them. I almost just like walked out. I was like, I don't need yeah. to see the rest of this game. <laughs> it's fine. It's. This is why you don't pay for porn in 2019. <laughs> <laughs> because McKinnon and McCarr are going to be on the same power play. But but for me, that 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 high guy there, and we talked about it a lot last year. Ideally, that, that guy playing in the slot never even touches the puck. So if you can keep Nazem Kadri fresh, and if on the off chance McCarr and McKinnon don't score a goal, you can roll out Kadri and, and Burakovsky. I mean, yeah, yeah. And 30 and, goal and, score <laughs> game Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm saying. It doesn't matter. That, that last guy. Uh. Pick one of the three of us. If we can do it, right. Cole Wilson didn't stand there with our stick down. <laughs> We're just Slap as effective <laughs> as Nazem Kadri, Colin Wilson, anyone oh, in you the know, high slot. You know who you put in that role then? Down the Chushkin. <laughs> there you go. Watch them actually do that, and he scores like 20 goals. We're like, wow, we made a joke about that guy being irrelevant <laughs> in, in so many different facets. Down the Chushkin right. himself being irrelevant and the high guy on the power play right. being irrelevant and down the Chushkin. No, he's, that he's obviously six, won't happen. He's six foot four, and he just like throws bows like a like a rebounder. <laughs> Boxes out. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the and then LeBron in between the circles. Right, and he's just, he's just slapping pucks in. Yeah, he there you go. That's easy. what it is. That's why they doesn't even him. need a stick. Just channel that suit and throw it in off his butt. Yeah, just, yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, 6'4", he got a big butt. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> might, as well, might as well use it. So for me, I, I think you, you make that second unit as dangerous as possible because you got four guys that are so damn good on that top unit anyways that that fifth guy is just okay. there to look good, and so, that's why you put Colin Wilson out there. I'm not going to go into the argument because we'd spend another 40 minutes talking about it, but does some of that come down to maybe the Avs should look at their power play systems and move away from the diamond dot type of setup that they have? I mean, I would like for it to happen, but I'm being realistic, and Ray Knowing Bennett... it's not. Well, yeah. Ray Bennett has coached a top 10 power play every single year for the last however long he's been employed. Right. So it, that's that's the thing, man, is that we can be as frustrated as we it's want. Still good. <laughs> and you can look at last year and say, well, first half versus second half. But at the end of the year, it's a top 10 power play that he coaches every yep. single year. And there, that's that's results, man. There yeah. was one play uh, that for me, you can look back at and you say, that's why you play a guy high in the slot. And it was the game time goal. In game four against the Calgary Flames, Miko Rantanen cut through the slot. Everyone was watching Gabe Landeskog in the middle of the circles because they know that the Avs like to move the puck from the high guy to the wall mm -hmm. into the middle for either a shot or a pass back out. You can go back. I, I've probably rewatched that play 50 times this summer because it's you make the joke about free porn. <laughs> That Miko Rantanen comes up the wall, drops it off from McKinnon, and just drifts to the front of the net. Everyone's watching Gabe Landeskog in between yeah. the dots, and there's a wide open lane to Miko Rantanen. And that is exactly how the high guy in between the dots is supposed to work. Yep. Hey, watch me, watch me, watch me. There's a 90-point guy right there wide open in the blue <laughs> paint. Oh, like, by the way, that guy scored 41 goals this right, year. Right, yeah. <laughs> and there's nobody covering him. Yeah, and, and, Good defense, bros. And so that's why I like because that's how it's supposed to work. 
is you have two guys there that are both effective guys. Colin Wilson proved himself to be at least effective in that role in the playoffs. Yeah. So you have to you have to respect that. You you drop two guys down low to cover whoever's in the blue. Well, Colin Wilson has showed you, hey, yeah, Nathan McKinnon's good enough. He can put this puck anywhere. The big question with the setup is they lose Tyson Berry's ability to get pucks through. Yeah. And which we haven't even talked about. The big thing right. is this has been so this has been such a sad summer for me. Yeah. <laughs> the big the dude. When I walk into the locker room and somebody's in his locker, I'm going to be defensive. Uh Dude, I was Yeah. The the thing is is that Gerard has sh- struggled getting pucks through. He has. And we haven't seen McCarr obviously like that was one of the things that he did not do at UMass yep. much. Because he didn't have to. Much more of a penetrator type. Right. He carries the puck in and he, you know, he creates further down low. Not a big like McCarr walks the line so well though, dude. He creates his own space so right. well. But I, he doesn't he gets down into it though. He gets down into the zone and that's where he uses that space, which is fine. But when you're supposed to be the high guy and with the abs with how the abs did it last year, he's the only guy on the blue line back there kind of patrolling. He's got to either not do that, or he's got to get and get pucks through, or they've got to change the system to give him a little bit more help and let him roam and be who he is. Yeah. Well, I mean, let's and see if he can get pucks through first. That's where that's well, and this is the question mark is that we don't know about that part of Kale McCarr's game yet. That's the thing he's going to have to prove I on PP one. It's it's just getting pucks through. It's a learned skill, and it wasn't something that Tyson Berry did overnight. He turned himself into a. 14 goal guy over time but it took a while here's where i think the difference is going to be i think you're going to see kale mccarr shooting more for he's not going to be shooting to score he's going to be shooting to create offense down low tips rebounds chaos tyson berry i said it for a long had one of the most underrated one-timers has one of the most underrated one-timers in the nhl he snaps that puck off his stick. Tyson Berry shoots to score from the blue line. I think you're going to see Kale McCarr a lot more shin height shots to the net that aren't going to be necessarily great threats to go in, but you're going to be looking for tips, rebounds, uh, you know, just, just generating chaos, you know, traffic in front. I think that's what you're going to see from McCarr, different from what you saw from Barry. so you're not necessarily going to be seeing them working those two-on-ones on the wing where it's who's going to shoot, who's going to shoot. I think you're going to be seeing shots going to the net from McCarr, but much different types of shots than you saw from Tyson Berry. All right. That's a good place to wrap up segment two. Before we get into the sadness of what they're losing with Barry. Yeah, and right. Exactly. But uh, you know what might help the Avs power play? Some game-changing coffee. StravaCraft is the CBD-enriched coffee that has really changed lives. Their reviews are incredible, so check them out. The CBD-infused coffee has taken away long-term migraines, back pain, arthritis, IBS. It's even helped decrease anxiety. CBD is all-natural and not psychoactive, and the coffee itself is rich and tasty, so we really could not recommend it more to our listeners. Check it out for yourself today, and you can receive 20% off when you use code BSN2019 at checkout, and you'll get it shipped straight to your door. We'll be back in segment three with something. Who knows? Third and final segment of this BSN Avalanche Monday podcast. It's a long one for you. 
with Nathan Rudolph, A.J. Hayfley, and Jesse Montano. We've talked about the guys the Avs brought in. Is this the year that the Avs break the X-player curse? Because I'm not going to lie, I'm excited to see Nazem Kadri play against the Leafs. But I am scared of Dyson Barry playing against the Avs. Both both Barry and Kerfoot. Right. <laughs> that they're going to be like three points each. Yeah. Kerfoot's going to score the ugliest goals you've ever seen. Yeah. They're all going to count. It's, it's going to go off his – it's going to be a Barry shot from the point that goes off Kerfoot's kneecap. <laughs> Ricochets off crossbar and like yeah. straight down. <laughs> right. It's going to like fly up and break his nose and go in. <laughs> No, I think the biggest thing, um, I think they're, they that they've set themselves up to adequately replace the production long term. Yeah. Um, I have faith that Makar will replace Barry's production eventually. I don't know that it happens this year. I don't think it does. Um, just, and we've talked about this a lot. Like, yeah. Makar would have to have an all-time great rookie season for a defenseman yep. um, to come close to the to the 59 points that... Uh, Barry had last season, so I'm not I'm not projecting history. Right, um, I, I won't do. I won't say it's it won't happen because he's he's got the kind of special talent and it factor about him where you could hey it, it's possible, but I I certainly wouldn't project that. That will not be my bold prediction of the season. Uh, but I I think the biggest thing that they're going to lose with those two guys, man, is in the locker room. You yeah. know, Barry was McKinnon's best friend. Kerfoot was the third of the three bachelors with with Comfer and yeah. yeah, with 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 Comfer and Jost and you know, losing losing that, you know, when you're when you're playing with your friends, it's easier to play. It's it's less work and more Absolutely. play. And I think that's it's meaningful. I don't think it's going to be I don't ultimately think it'll have like a huge impact, but I think with them set up to replace the on ice production That'll be the biggest adjustment that they have to make long term is in the in the locker room. For me, I fully agree with you on Tyson Berry. That was an argument that I had made for years about that would be the biggest thing you were losing with Tyson Berry is that locker room presence. But for me, if I'm if I'm the Toronto Maple Leafs, I'm more worried about that with Alexander Kerfoot because Joe and Confer still have each other. They've made friends. You know, they, you mm. know, they're, they're part of the team. You've now removed Alexander Kerfoot, who who came into this like incredibly tight knit group, lived with two of the guys. Like you said, it's easier yeah. to play with your friends. If I'm the Toronto Maple Leafs, I'm more worried about that with Alexander Kerfoot. Of we've removed him from a situation where he came in, he was comfortable, he had friends, he lived with his you know line mates. So I you know I don't care about that. But you know, th- for me with the Kerfoot, that's where I would be more concerned is with him himself, not so much Joseph Comfer. But with Tyson Berry, I think it's. I think that's a very real thing that you're losing is that personality in the locker room. So you don't think Justin Comper were holding him back from a Selkie trophy or anything like that? (laughs) 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 That was hilarious. That was I like Alexander Kerfoot a lot. I think Alexander Kerfoot is good. I'm really going to miss talking to him and honestly watching him play a lot of the time. Like he was a frustrating player. But part of the reason he was frustrating is because he was so good at some things. Mm-hmm. And the one thing he was not good at was just very, very obvious. Mm-hmm. Like, yep. the one thing he really struggled the most with was, you know, beating goalies. And 
he's a, he's a really great kid. I'm actually really looking forward to them coming back into town so that I can go into an opposing locker room and have relationships with people. <laughs> yeah. And unfortunately, I have to go into the, the John Tavares locker room, but I'm, <laughs> I'll be fine. I'm going to go in there and talk to TB94 now, I guess. No. I saw that jersey the other day, and I yeah. was like, this is so weird. That is, that is weird. Yeah, I was just... Uh, That's a real reason you haven't heard me on the podcast all summer. I've just been crying. Yeah. <laughs> I tell you, you know, I'm super curious what they have in Cali Rosen. Yeah. He it's was a really interesting piece. He was too. such a big part of the Marlies last year, yeah. and he was such a do-everything guy right. for it's them. It's that all-around factor that I right. think has, really has me sold on him because that's exactly what you want in a bottom-pairing D is yeah. you can throw him out in whatever and not have to worry about right. it. Right. If Sam Gerrard has an injury, you don't have to play Eric Johnson on your power play. You, yeah. could, you could play a Cali Rose right. in there because exactly. he, did a, he was really productive in the AHL. And EJ hasn't been particularly productive on a power play his entire career. <laughs> so. Watching Eric Johnson for the first, like, five years he was here just bounce pucks off shin pads into the neutral zone <laughs> was like one of the most frustrating things in my life. Yeah. Cause it was, it was so predictable every time yeah. you'd hear the puck hit his stick and you're like, and it's going the other way. Yeah. Sure enough. Hold it, hold it, hold it. Thud going the other way. I just did his highlight package not too long ago. And seriously, like 50% of his goals walking in off the wall into the circle, like a forward would. Mm-hmm. And then the goalie, like, reads pass and just gives him the corner and yeah. takes it. <laughs> yeah, and that's that's kind of his his goal scoring he now, almost man. Never it's... ever scores from beyond the circles. Yeah. Like talking about Rosen? No. no. Talking EJ. about EJ. Oh, oh yeah, 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 yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Huh. Yeah. Well, I mean, you give him credit, he figured out, hmm, this I'm not working. good at this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I he don't was know never how to really this. a big goal scorer, even like even at the DP, even at Minnesota, like yeah. he was it's, it was just never his thing. His thing was that he was a great skater for a guy who was six foot five and was right handed and so they put him out and he had he has some offensive ability. It wasn't it wasn't like the guy was like a Dude, black I mean, hole. When that, he he had twenty five points last year almost entirely at even strength. When EJ gets up to full speed, are you standing in front of him? Yeah. <laughs> like you know what I mean? Like he's a good enough skater that he generates offense because he's he's a good skater. And he's so damn big that he gets up to full speed, and it's like you can't stop him. I mean, for a guy his size, he's a great skater. He's a great dream. Yeah, ain't he's, nobody jumping on the tracks. No. Yeah, he's and and I think that's what makes Callie Rosen such an intriguing potential addition to the blue line is you've got the skating ability of you know Gerard yeah. and McCarr and Johnson, and then you throw in Rosen. Uh, Zadorov's a really good skater for a guy his size as well. Yep. How many times have you and I talked like, about when Zadorov came here? That was part of the whole thing. Is like, yeah, this he is was a, a great huge skater, guy dude. that can skate and has offensive ability. We forget that because he just decimates fools. But he's Nikita Zadorov's a great yeah, skater. Of, well, and a great shooter. Back to back years yeah. of of seven well, goals where it's it's now happened. I don't know where, if I'd say a great shooter. I think it's. I still think there's more to 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 he, go there. He shoots it extremely hard because. Well, and, <laughs> I mean, how many times at the end of last year it was obvious he had the confidence to shoot finally. Yeah, yeah. And he started tattooing posts left and yeah, right he, where you're like, he's 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 getting there. He's figuring out how to get pucks through. He's figuring out. How hard he can shoot while still being accurate, 
And he's just and he's got the ability to just straight up beat goalies that's, from the blue line. That's man. the guy when we were early in the summer, you're hearing a lot of stuff about, oh, maybe Zadorov's on the move. I I was really I was like, I don't want them to move on with, from this kid because for the first time last year, to me, you started to see what was hyped on him when they traded for him with the O'Reilly deal. Is is like you just said, he, you saw that confidence maybe for the first time since he's been in Denver. Really, as a shooter, yes. He never really had that before. Mm-hmm. And, and that's why I was like, don't move this guy just yet. I think he's like, well, he's and, on the cusp yeah. of being what he's supposed to be. Which, the hard part is you have Bowen Byram coming. Right, right. Which, <laughs> and which, you have Connor Timmons coming. Now, and if, it's like, if, you, if Nikita Zadorov becoming what he's supposed to and he's on your third pairing, yeah. you got great. a pretty okay defense yeah, yeah, at that yeah. point, right? That's right. what I'm saying. I just, uh, you know, I don't think Nikita Zadorov is ever going to be dominant right but you don't need him to be mm. you don't need him to be on this team just be who you are man like he's a guy where it's if he just embraces what he is yep and you know and you take just, thor's mom's well, advice you just live <laughs> you live with the downsides like you live with right. his faults and you just say hey his what he does well makes up for it I, for me as far as the abs are concerned he is your like ideal high-end third pairing guy it should be him and Eric, jo- him and Eric Johnson on the third pairing for the next few years. Uh, well, I mean, it won't. We won't get there yet. No, yeah, it's too. They've early. already no, no, started. No, 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 not yet. Not they've yet. already I'm started sorry. cutting EJ's minutes, but I think I think ultimately, like once he will once be... Connor Timmons and Bowen Byram are ready. Yeah, then... that to me that that should be a set and forget Zadorov and Johnson, fifteen minutes a night, just. Roll him out. Yeah, that'll probably not be like the. I, that not would probably be honestly last like two years of his deal. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. That's probably that's probably where. And that's if you don't hey, buy him out by then. Well, and like we're talking like when he signed oh, that yeah. when he signed that deal, we were like, oh well, by the end of it, he's probably an overpaid third pairing defenseman, mm-hmm. which is and really like right that, on track. that six million dollars just really is that big of a deal yet. It it, could, it only becomes it a big deal if, if the decline is as hard as we're afraid that it is. And I right. think it really only becomes a big deal, not even so much the, of the decline, is that no the other guys on the team start to live up to that potential. Right. You know, what if what if Martin Cout is a 55-point guy? You know, what if, what if Alex Newhook only goes to college for one year because he scores 75 points, and then you have to find a room for him? You know, what if Tyson Jost breaks out and he scores 55 this year? And Andre Burakovsky also scores 25 goals. Like, all of a sudden, you're having to pay all these guys. Well, just, and then you've got Kale McCarr to pay. You already paid Sam Gerrard, but then you have McCarr to pay. And then you have all the ELCs that will be ending with, you know, with the Timmins, with with a Byram at some point in, in EJ's contract life. Well, and the no move is obviously the issue with it, Seattle. Luke. It, yeah. It's not even... That big of a deal today? It's not, but then if, 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 if I don't, I don't think it season, will be a big deal. If he goes out this season, and again, he's not necessarily bad, but we see another drop off, I'm, and I'm then not, another drop off. I'm not worried week. about Seattle because it'll be very, very easy to say. Yeah, yeah, you say the, that now when you're not staring down the barrel of it. But no, if you've had I mean, two seasons of EJ regression and you've still got a couple years left on a no movement deal, and now you're having to expose a legitimate you, player, but uh, this is what I'm saying. You ask him to waive the no movement for the expansion draft, no. He's not going to get drafted because Seattle's not going to take.
take him. They're not going to take a 33-year-old yeah, EJ with six million. Francois Boschman, and he was like, nope, not doing it. They, so bought it, they bought him out. I know. Yeah, that's what we're saying. They bought him out on a 35-plus <laughs> in the last year. It's different. It was easy to do. That was an obvious decision to make. And that, I mean, well, and they, I mean, that was a team that protected Matt Nieto and Rocco Grimaldi. Yeah, you also oh, you had no choices. Right. Well, I mean, that's, you, you that's protected saying, though, anyone like, that was good. Like You're with, like, with EJ. I don't know, Matt Nieto. With EJ, <laughs> there, was only, there was only like one guy, that one like real meaningful guy during the last expansion process that said that he would not waive his no movement. And it was Dion Phaneuf. And it, I mean, all those guys got moved anyway. EJ could very well be Dion Phaneuf in a couple well, of years. Right, but like mm-hmm. if he if, if he says no, yep. then then you do buy him out. And you're like, look, dude, we're going to give you two choices. You waive your no movement, yeah. and you finish your career yep. in Colorado like you wanted, or you don't, and then we will we will pull the trigger and buy you out. And yeah, that'll be that. That's what I was that. just saying. That's what I was just and, saying. Yeah, but that's – I don't see – I really – he wants to be in Colorado. It, it, Colorado it, wants to keep him here. All this talk about now – see, now, now that Barry's gone, it will be trade EJ, and it's not going to happen. They're not interested in it. Will it? It, it, it will be. It won't it will be trade be. Z? No, no, no it will be trade EJ. Because it will 100% Because be of EJ. the season that EJ had last year, Where he call was, it what you want. He was okay. He was okay, but again, I, I, I'm more of looking at compare last season EJ to the season before. Wasn't as good. And that's, and that's what I'm saying. As of right now today, I agree with everything you just said, but my worry is that we talked so much about his skating. That's... That's what carries him. If he starts breaking down and now suddenly he can't skate and he still can't get pucks through, you could be you could have an EJ situation where he's Dion Phaneuf in two years. You're 100% right in that today, it's not an issue. But I'm saying you, you're, you're looking two years down the road when you expect Connor Timmons to be here. You expect Bo and Byron to be here. We don't know what they have in Cali Rosen. None of those guys have to be protected, by the way. The only guy that you're risking is Zadorov. I think Rosen would have to be protected. I think he would, too, but I still, I mean, I don't think Rosen will be will, good so enough right, yeah. that where no. it, that will matter Would much. you lose Nikita Zadorov over keeping a broken down EJ? No. What I'm saying is, like, I think that you get him to wave. Look, what? And then you protect, you can protect whichever, whatever the defense really looks like. Does it even really matter? I mean, when... This expansion draft happens. The Avs are going to be in a situation where they're trying to win cups anyway. So yeah. if it's I have to give up a second round pick to keep Zadorov, it's I have to give up a second round pick to keep him. If like, you if you're giving up assets because you feel like you have to keep Z, something something between Byram and Timmons has gone wrong. Sure, absolutely. Because in my opinion, you just lose Z, and that's fine. Because you you have you. Uh. You, you're losing a third-pairing defenseman, and you've got Byram, right. you've got Timmons, and you've got Gerard, you've got McCarr. Your top four is set. It's a fair argument. Every team is going to be losing a player. There's right. no dancing around that. And I And we, what we, we watched some teams make horrific yeah. mistakes. Don't be Florida. Well, Don't like, do that. Horrific mistakes getting cute with it. Right. There were some who were like, hey, we will, we will give you a draft pick. To take a bad player that we don't want, like a guy that, right? And and it was it ended up being fine. Yeah, yeah. Don't start sending additional players right. to keep exactly like right. like Columbus giving up the first rounder to give up William Carlson. Like that ended up just being bad luck on their part. Yeah. Like they didn't know what they had. Otherwise, they would have kept that dude. Right. <laughs> like they didn't. That that was where you just. You just didn't no, know but what you had. It, it really is standing pat. I mean, Detroit sat there and they took Thomas Nosick. Right. And it's like, okay. <laughs> and there were way better options from Detroit yeah, exactly. on that team that, to, to pick. And 
like this is where I've I've said multiple times this summer. Right now, you look at the abs. Right now, the player you're most likely losing is either Zadorov or JT Comper. I agree with that, yeah. and that's fine. You're. I'd rather it be Zadorov than Comper. I, well, and I think either one of them you can really replace. I don't think you're going to have a hard time replacing them between Shane Bowers and Martin Cowden, and Alex Newhook. I just don't think you're going to miss Comper I, I just, that much. I I believe in Comper. You know. More so than well, probably he's, most, and he's, that's why I he's a that. bona fide NHL guy. I think he's overrated by the Avs fan base as a whole quite a bit, personally. Uh, and I didn't, I still don't think that that that's a good contract for him. But ultimately, like you're banking on potential there. Well, in, in yeah, you're banking on what you saw for the last six weeks of the season, whether you think it's fluky or not. You're banking on like I mean, yeah, it's that's sixteen goal season, like the. He's a very short leap from being a twenty a twenty goal guy it's, it's as not, a middle sixer. It's not even the goals you're betting on. You're betting on that uh, passing ability that you saw from him in college. You saw from him in the AHL. Yeah. The distributing hasn't been there in the NHL. Right, it's been exactly. weird. It really has been an odd like. And I don't know if that's because he hasn't played center consistently, and he did in both of those roles. Or if it's, you know, and he's on the wall, it's a little harder to be, like, a high-end distributor unless you're freaky-ass Blake Wheeler. <laughs> you know? Like, it's 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 a lot harder. It is. And so I wonder if that, how much of that has to do with it. Um, and, I mean, let's be real. He got to spend time in those leagues with pretty good players. Yeah, I mean, he was on the best college line, his, yeah. you know, with next to, to, to Mott and uh, Connor. Right. That last year. Yep. And then in the AHL, I don't actually remember his his rampage line. I don't. I mean, he got to play with the the top guys. Right, the he was their top guy. Least, so. Yeah, I remember that, and he was he was productive and he was good. Yeah, right. He's like he's a he's a solid AHL player. He's absolutely. It's not a guy that's gonna bother. He's the exact type of guy that gets targeted in an expansion draft. <laughs> oh, and it's where it's where Seattle can build around a guy because. He'll be 26 by then. He'll have two years left and yep. three and a half million. And like, he's a guy that makes a ton of sense. It could be him um, or it could be like a guy like Don Scoy. And Right. And it's totally fair. But that this is exactly why you build a farm system is to right. be able to come in and fill in those spots. Yeah. So, and, and to be honest, the Avs did a great job of that this summer, too. They had a fantastic draft as far as I'm concerned, other than that one third round pick. But yeah, well, I think. Hellison and Steinberg are going to be the guys where I'm. Yeah, I like Hellison more than you do. I know, but it's gonna. Those guys got to. They got to prove it, man. They do. But no, I mean, when you have two first rounders and you come out with McCarn or uh, Byram and Newhook, yeah, you yeah, did pretty well. <laughs> feeling really good about that, regardless of how we feel about the WHL lean at the end, which I know both of us really like. All right, should we? Uh, should we lap, wrap up the longest podcast ever here? Yeah. What What was your favorite move of the summer? Cadre, Cadre, easy, easy, Cadre. Okay, I agree. That did not go your way. No, it didn't. No, it was not <laughs> um, you know, man, I, I don't, I don't necessarily know if I, if I want to call it my favorite, but I am just so damn intrigued by Burakovsky. He's my least favorite move of the summer. Really? I, I yeah. think he'll be I, I, the I, favorite or the least favorite by the end of this mm -hmm. year. Yeah. One of the two, and, and that's why I think I'm so intrigued by it is because. I can totally see him 
doing what we talked about at the beginning of the show, 25 goals, yeah. 55 points. I could totally see that. So I don't necessarily know if, if he's my favorite, but I think that's what I'm going to be watching the most closely because like we kind of you know, alluded to what seems like yesterday, but it was just an hour and a half ago. You know, you, if if Val Nichushkin were to squeeze his way into this roster, you know what it is. You mm-hmm. know what Pierre or Belmar is. Right. You know what you're getting in Azim Kadri. To me, Andre Burakovsky is this big kind of linchpin. You know, of of I've called him the X factor. Right. If 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 he of like the entire forward core. Right. So I I, I guess I'll go ahead and say that because to me there's there's the most potential there. All the other ones are known quantities. You know what you're getting. You know what they're bringing. Mm-hmm. Burakovsky is just this. It it really is the whole concert of that, right? You bring right. in the X factor of Burakovsky, and the Avs did that, and you're like, okay, I mean, that's a gamble. If this yeah. is all you're doing, boy. Well, and right. then they made other stable, the Kadri and the Donskoy sign right. both stabilizing Exactly. Moves. And then exactly. Wilson, same thing, like a very known quantity that you're very comfortable with. In your own system on a one-year deal, we are not committing. You're not. It's not a hard commitment, and that was maybe maybe that's my favorite thing that they did all summer, mm-hmm. is that they they did not make any unnecessary like outlandish commitments. Like being disliking a second year on Belmar is fine, but it's like it's two years. Here's the other disliking thing. a fourth year on Donskoy is sure, but like this is a guy that like he's so solid and so reliable and has been. His whole career that he's just a set and forget piece for four years. Like, is it a little long? Yeah. You don't normally, you know, sign guys that long, but it's it's really you know, my favorite move of the summer was the Sam Gerard extension. <sighs> that's Great cheating. Answer. Yeah, yeah that's cheating. <laughs> Another move that I, I I liked just because of conversations that you and I had last season, AJ, was I liked that they decided to move on from Varley and buy in on Pavel Francouz because this was yeah. a guy that you and I talked about last year where it's like he came over and had a fantastic AHL season. Well, Coming see, off of a <sighs> most valuable goalie KHL season. What they did with Francouz, the frustration here is what they did with Francouz is what they haven't done with guys like Greer. Right. Because they he proved it in the AHL, and now they're saying, hey, we're taking that leap of faith with you, and for better or worse, you're our guy in this spot. And they are not doing that anywhere else on the roster. They're not even doing it defensively it's, where they've got 400 guys. They brought back Anton Lindholm. They they qualified Sergei. They qualified Sergei Boykov. It took him being like, nah, I'm good for that, for him to not come back. Like they, they hedged their bets so hard at forward and defense and then did the exact opposite at, at goal. And it's just such a weird dichotomy. A little same, same, but different. Because Pavel Francouz was, he won the Vesna equivalent in the KHL the season before. Yeah, which is fine. Like, and then he cool. came over and had a great AHL season. We've seen guys be very, very good in the KHL and be nothing NHLers. Like, that, that he was great in the KHL, like, got him the AHL job. Right, and then and then and he, then he was up. very, very good there. Right. He's proven at every level that he deserves a shot at the next one, mm-hmm. and the Avs are giving that to him. Mm-hmm. Where I think our frustration has yeah. lied is that they have not done that at other positions in their farm system. I think... And I mean, really, you and I, you and I there have obviously been, agreed on that. There have the been lots of oper- lots of conversations where you say guys haven't deserved it. You know, Chris Begrock got that chance, mm-hmm. but 
but bombed with it. And we're all okay with the fact that Chris Begraw is gone yeah. because he got 35 games to, to give him a whirl. We saw it. We watched it fail in front of our eyes. And so we were all fine with moving on from it, you know, not to like get back into this. But this, the Francis thing I think is interesting because it is exactly what we were to, we've been talking about with a guy like Greer. He proved it. And he's not getting that opportunity. Now, I know that there, and I've written about it this summer, there are other things that have gone on with Greer, and that manifested itself which, in which Manhattan. I'll say, which is another thing we never even yeah. touched right. on. Well, and, it's going to be interesting to see how that's handled. That's next week, and I really I don't think it'll be. It's it's such a minor thing mm-hmm. that I really don't think it's it's really just a foot. No, all, all it is is affirmation of what I wrote about in terms of there being a maturity issue. Now, here's the other thing. Here's the other difference between front Francis and Greer. In the limited minutes he had in NHL games, Pavel Francis made a mark. He and also lost both of those games. Yep. <laughs> He's 0-2 he with came in in 947 right. save percentage. But both of those games, both of those games, they came back and he gave up soft goals for the game winners. After playing 30 minutes of stellar hockey. Yeah, he was amazing in Arizona. Mm-hmm. And then he gave up that that nasty, like, and, lazy and, and, wrister and, and from I, Brad and, Richardson that he never saw. <laughs> he still hasn't seen it. <laughs> He's watched the replay 50 times. Can't find it. Well, he needs, he he needs the trail his, behind it. He, he needs watches, the trail behind it. He, he watches himself game. in that replay not move. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and I think that has always been – AJ, you and I have talked about that. AJ Greer himself has spoken about that. A.J. Greer does nothing in his eight minutes in an NHL game that he does in the AHL. And that's what's and so frustrating. As you watch me, it like, is a frustration. Wow, he's got offensive ability. He's creative. He finishes. He comes to the NHL. He runs some guy from behind, then cross-checks someone in the mouth in front of the net. It's like, right. what are you doing? But, but that's the, not who you are. The thing, the thing that we've seen, though, is that he's had some good games. Yeah. And, and it's like, look, like when you get a good game out of him, you're like, this is the guy who he is. Give him puck touches, and give him more minutes, and, he, and reward he, him with that. You know, he averaged the least amount of ice time of all the guys who played for the Avs last year. Marco Dano, Sheldon Dries, Agazino Bork, all those guys saw more average ice time than mm-hmm. he did. And he only got that in 15 games. That's We can't call that a legitimate what, shot, man. What hurt me the you most just about can't. it is you have to put it on him at a certain point. I, and I agree with you. I have always said he has to prove it. I have consistently said it is on him to prove it, but he also and needs, to, I mean, six minutes in 15 games? What in the but, world but are you asking games, him to prove? In the games where he played his AHL and he game. he still scored more goals than Val <laughs> <laughs> There he, it is. When he played <laughs> his AHL game, he got more ice time. Not much, though. But, go and look at his game log. But he did. But go, he did. Go and look at his game log. Okay. Regardless, in, in those you'll games where, you'll he, see. where he played well, he got more ice time. Whether the, it was by two minutes, four the, minutes, 30 the seconds, minutes, he got more ice time. The when minutes he went out where there he and had ran guys from behind and took penalties, he didn't. Go and look at his game log because it's not true. Well, I, you know which games he played well? I, you know what? You go and you look at him, the correlation between more minutes. Is, I'm not is, saying he got a ton more minutes. No, no, no. You and I shared I'm, that frustration, but a lot of that is on him. You go and you look at his shifts. I don't look at time on ice as much as I do shifts most of the time because shifts can vary. 
mm-hmm. or uh, time on ice can vary depending on shift length, shift. and especially when you're only getting ten of them. Situational. Like you can have ten shifts and you can play eight minutes, or you can have ten you shifts and you can play five for, minutes. For the guys who get out there, they haven't played in fifteen minutes. They get out there and they get tripped eight seconds into yeah. their, <laughs> their shift. It's like, and thanks it. for drawing that penalty. Right. Man. Back on the bench. <laughs> you're right, but but with with Greer, the more minutes that he the the games in which he had the most minutes played were games that they were decided already. They were games with big discrepancies in the outcome. There was a big score difference. And so he's he's getting mop-up minutes, not you played well, so we gave you more minutes. His best game of the year, he played like seven minutes. My biggest frustration with Greer has always been that he's not the same player in the, NHL games. The discipline is, is a very real, it's, not a, even it's the a discipline. super real not conversation even the discipline. about him. He comes up to the AHL and he takes on this like grinder role. It's like, you're a power forward, man. You're not. You're not a grinder. You you need to be contributing offense. You need to be generating, and he doesn't do that at the NHL level. My my big problem with that is at his own admission, by the when, way. Yeah. But when we saw him in the NHL this year, and, and sure, it's not to the level of the AHL at all. But as he was getting more games, he was settling in. It was starting to come a little bit more, and then they sent him away again. At the trade and, deadline, and, and, and at that point, because I they brought in because they brought 100%. in Derek Broussard. Yeah, right. Which who scored four goals? Which which blew up in their face like every trade deadline move that they make it always does. does. And you also have to know that it's a changing landscape for the Abs. And again, I don't like that they sent him away in favor of Derek Broussard either. All right, we've crossed the 90-minute threshold now, so I think it's time to call this one a show, and we will be back tomorrow with the promised prediction episode. We believe Piper is the best because of their professionalism, because of their capability, because of their integrity, and because of the relationship we have built over the last year and a half with several of their key managers. Piper Electric has been a part of the Denver community for over 35 years. Their reputation of being fairly priced, trustworthy, and dependable has allowed them to become one of the best Denver electrical contractor companies in the market. Sometimes customers will ask us if we know of somebody who can be their regular electrician where they could call for anything from a small job to something much larger, maybe a remodel. And so we certainly have referred people to Piper and Piper to them. From residential, commercial, and industrial, Piper Electric can handle all of your electrical needs. They've done actually everything from repairing a small wiring situation with a circuit breaker panel to adding additional circuits, adding parking lighting. So really, they have become a one-stop shop for all of our needs. If you call today and use the promo code BSN, you will get $25 off your next service call. That's 303-646-6765 or go to piperelectric.com.